excited nervous <laughs> yeah do you know what it's podcasts are because I've, I've been on a couple now um mm. i kind of forget that <laughs> what i've been recording and actually this is going to go out at some point so i just go with it yeah. and two i have no recollection at all of any of the podcasts that I've done in terms of the content. And the other thing is that I don't, because I refuse to listen or watch anything that I'm in back. Right. So, like, I, just, I just don't do it. So I'm just not comfortable with it. So nine times out of ten, I have no idea what other people are listening to. <laughs> to be fair, though, I do that as well. I, I I was saying to myself today, because I record the ones with guests, and they always stick with me a little bit more, but I do the solo ones as well, and I don't edit them. So I, I, I chop off the beginning and the end, and but everything in the middle is exactly as it's said, so the same yeah. with the guest. So I just, I don't go back and watch it, and someone will come up to me and say, you said this, and it really made me think, I think did I say that? Was well, it's, it's um, Katie Baggett that always sends me, like... <laughs> the greatest quotes I've happened to and it's like yeah that sounds like something that I would say that then we'll go with that yeah. we'll get going well welcome to the podcast Joe thank you so much Thank you for having me. It's been a, a little struggle getting you because we, we had to yeah. cancel, didn't we, because of COVID situations yeah, in the world. Ongoing saga it is. And the, and the ongoing struggle of life. I Actually, it made me think, um, because I was doing my research on you um, prior to kind of coming on the show and whatnot, that we couldn't have actually filmed this in if, in person anyway. I've recorded on, on stream, like, throughout the entire year but usually before pre-pandemic i used to have people over to the house and everything like that and, and my chair steps, won't right? yeah well my my the steps into my house like yeah yeah to, i couldn't have even got you in anyway i mean to be fair there's always a way like, where's a will there's a way I mean, we just we would have just figured it out but yeah we could have done something but yeah it just made me think i was like oh yeah that's that's the thing i never realized my house but then my house is old that's the thing though until you're in a situation where you're like oh yeah yeah, this is the thing why why would you think of the thing yeah yeah i completely completely see that mind so i'm terrible at introducing people so i'm gonna let you introduce yourself who are you joe and what do you do okay so this introduction kind of changes every time i have to read it out so we'll, we'll see what i'm we end up with. Right. Um, I'm Joe Tolly. I'm an advocate, facilitator, writer, pretty much will try everything once, so I'll be anything that you need me to be in, in any given moment. Um, lover of tea, good people. Nice. All animals. Yeah, I just do my thing and wing it a little bit. That's a good way to be. That's a, that's a solid way to approach life. Lover of things and, and animals and <laughs> tea. Yeah. <laughs> How much more you need in life, really, is the thing. Definitely not. Fuel on tea and lack of sleep. Tea and lack of sleep. Uh, <laughs> I also so you're you're kind of a facilitator, but I don't really know what that means. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> um, I I guess 
part of what we do with IJOT, which is um, a organisation thing, business, mm-hmm. will turn into something, um, is ensure that disabled people have the autonomy to embrace their own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just started working with the NOAA project in Chicago to create a mentoring program um, around, uh, so, yeah, exactly that diversity, equity, and making sure that people aren't afraid to use their voice. Yeah. Um, so I facilitate a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just do what I need to do to... You're kind of like consulting, I guess. Yeah, that, that is a much better word. <laughs> <laughs> it's, one, <laughs> it's one of those like big scrabble words where there's about four things you could say mean exactly the same word yeah. thing and you're like yeah, yeah. that's what I, do. I mean my my role outside of creating is a coordinator and again that could mean coordinate hundreds anything. yeah hundreds of millions of things i could coordinate <laughs> yeah well, get involved i also see that you you I mean, from from my research because I do research. I don't, I don't, you know, I do a little bit of background checking. Yeah, to think what you have make sure I found. found the funniest thing I found was when I searched your name, then and did like a kind of like a Google search through. It showed me an article from you on the Lincolnite. Okay, but it showed a picture of a young man. Is that as you? As like the first thing on Google? Uh, was it? Was it? It yeah, it was to do with the work you'd done yeah, with her. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, this, this, I'm fairly certain that's not Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Unless dramatic things have happened in the last few years. I mean, yeah. Who knows? We're living in strange times. We are living in strange times. Um, but you also, obviously, I saw you, the work you did with TEDx as well. Yeah, so TEDx is single-handedly the most terrifying thing I've ever done and the one thing that has led me to be where I am um which I still don't quite know where I am but it's it's in a direction that I didn't ever think I would be in um spent quite a few years kind of begrudging the fact that I have a disability in because I mean, you won't be able to see from this angle, but my disability is quite visible in terms of I literally ride on six wheels. Um, so you kind of can't ignore that because it's it's super in your face. Yeah. But I just didn't want anything. To, I didn't want to be associated with it or defined by it. And I think being defined by it is still a thing that, I have to balance. Yeah. Um, but somehow I ended up speaking to Andy Brandon, who then five weeks, six weeks plus later, I was on TEDx both full stage. Yeah. And yeah. It's, That's got to be terrifying. <laughs> it was, it was, um, yeah, I'm not a public speaker at all. No. Much more comfortable. Not in the One on one. I can appreciate that. I'm not a public. No, <laughs> no it's, it's. I I think I may have said to him, I really want to do TEDx, 
but I don't, I don't like cameras. Like, I think right. they don't put me on a stage. They mean like, we can't really do FedEx. <laughs> well, we'll just have to ride with it and see what happens. You can just be behind a screen, like <laughs> Wizard of Oz, just like hologrammed or something. Stand to the side. And, you know. Yeah. Exactly that. If I could get away with that for the rest of my life, then yeah. we'll, we'll go with that. I mean, that's only been the last like few years, though, right? That you've been doing. That was almost two years ago. Wow, two years just almost. disappeared. Yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, how how did you even kind of like? So you obviously you, you mentioned to Andy that you wanted to do it. Had this been even in your mind of just like maybe I could get involved in public speaking or? So. You... What actually happened was I'd spent 25 years kind of avoiding my disability, mm-hmm. doing like loads of university stuff, but being very trying to be really academic in order to get a good job that didn't didn't mean that I had to be disabled within that job. It, right. Like if that makes any sense, then you know, it makes no sense to me now, but I think at the time there was some logic. Um, and I signed up to do a master's at Nottingham right. Front University and got through the first week and was like, no, nah, I don't want to be an education, but I literally have no idea what I'm going to do. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do? Um, and it was a friend that said to yeah, you should you should start writing. Like you you have a really good way with words. Yeah. Just start writing about your life and disability. And, um, but that friend is was connected in some way to Andy, as most people are. Like Andy is this guy yeah. that just knows everybody. Um, and of a friend. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, so. That's how FedEx happened. It always interests me, kind of, the amount of people I have on this show who say they went to uni to do one thing and then completely change their mind. Like, just, yeah, like... it's, I think it's like you go to school, you go to sick form, you go to uni. That mm. is just, like, oh, it was sort of 10 plus years ago. That was a given And, like, my ability to be academic was going to be the one thing that set me apart from my disability. As in, I might be to say, but I'm also super clever and know all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, My degree was in theology and ethics. Okay. I don't use theology and ethics at all (laughs) in, like, my life. It just sounded like... A good thing to do, <clears throat> and then um, yeah, and then obviously got to the end of that degree and yeah. decided, well, what's what's that actually given me other yeah. than a bit of paper that's as I could like teach RE or yeah. or be a nun, you know. <laughs> I don't think there's much call for nuns these days. I don't, I don't <laughs> definitely know. <laughs> not. I'm definitely not. Um, yeah, so it, it was like, I need to get back to creativity. Oh, I'll go and do a master's in journalism. Mm. Um, but, yeah. 
theology to journalism. That's, I mean, yeah. It's quite a jump, right? <laughs> I think, I don't know. It's one of the strange things of like, I always, I find it interesting the people who do go to study things like theology or mythology or anything like that, where it's kind of the history of it is so long where you, you know down the line you'll have to at some point specialize yeah yeah and whereas like and obviously coming from an art background i like art history is really long and you're like yeah at some point i'll just like specialize and it's just it's a very certain kind of personality which is just i'm curious about everything and i, yeah. I want to know everything i think that's the thing and i think that is what that's why i do what i do now mm. because my attention span is like the size of a nap like I, I, I just don't have one um whereas I've got so much going on but it's all really varied so like mm. I don't necessarily need to specialize I just need to make a difference and that's kind of my one your push yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that's literally it if if I can make a difference allow people to tell their story um you know allow them to become the best versions of themselves both because of and in spite of the disability then I don't necessarily need to do that in one specific way because that is so person-centered yeah to do it in one specific way wouldn't work because you then you're putting like your own almost like values on other people and that's not yeah it just doesn't work it's quite an interesting thing of when I think of so my experience with kind of people with disabilities has been quite a long one because my mum was an SEN teacher so we we kind of were always involved with activities and and classes and and seeing what she was doing with the work she was doing and I always find it interesting of how people who who've not got disabilities have been given kind of one cookie cutter structure of how to live life. Like you say, go do this, that, and the other. And yeah. Disabilities it, have been given a different one. <laughs> Just... It's really interesting because, so, like, from someone that may, doesn't know anything about disability, it is mm. very much still in them situations. So you're either able bodied. And I say that loosely because disability isn't just about not being able-bodied. Like, it's not just a physical thing. Yeah. But it's about being able-bodied or being disabled, right? So, And then within the disability, oh, well, if you're disabled, you must be in a wheelchair. You must have a physical yeah. disability because that is the universal symbol Something for all disability. See. Yeah. Which, again, not true. And then when you get... A, Okay, well, maybe you are in a chair. Maybe you do have cerebral palsy, which is what I have. But then within that, the, the spectrum is so broad that if you've met one person with a disability, you've yeah. met one person one with person. a disability. Yeah. And the kind of benchmark for achieving should be no different for able-bodied disabled like this this shouldn't be a benchmark anyway anywhere yeah so it's quite it's one of those things i know the whole idea of kind of benchmarks has come up 
quite a lot recently, just in terms of like general media and how people, yeah. especially obviously exams came out. So all the kids were like looking at their exam results and, and what pacifying now between versus pre-pandemic and everything like that. And everyone was kind of getting discussion. And someone had suggested that you shouldn't have like exams. You shouldn't have like passing exams. And the amount of uproar I saw it caused kind of online between people of like, well, how do you measure anything? And how do you, how do you do these? And, and, but and look at the world. Do we need world. to measure it? Like is, do we need, we don't need to measure anything. Do we? we just need to let people do what they do and, and kind of guide them. Maybe. Mm. It's not about like, oh, well, I know my times table. So therefore, you know. I mean, I definitely don't know my times tables. No. I I, on fingers. I do I, I still do that thing where you kind of it's that trick with like the number nine where you, you like you hold down certain fingers and it'll yeah, tell you yeah, which yeah. one is so I can do up to 10 and then I need more hands because I've run out <laughs> I vividly remember kind of trying to look like I don't understand people who can memorize long series of numbers it's my brain does not work that way at all. But like, like with you, kind of being a natural writer, did, is writing something you've always done, or is this something which you've had to train for and go right? I'm going to study That's this. A really interesting question. See, I wouldn't say that I was a natural writer. Okay, that's interesting. Which I think is more my own perception of of, of me than anyone else's. But I just, I think, I mean. My my cousin, who is about 10 years older than me, always used to say, oh, you've got way with words and wonky legs. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I can easily talk myself into things and easily talk myself out of things. Um, and I just, I just put that on a page. If people like it, then yeah. cool. If not, cool. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trained. I, I have... Like foundation um, certificate in in journalism, but that was purely that I had some things that I wasn't technically going like from um, theology to journalism. Yeah, but half of like the pieces that I submitted through that were blog side in. I didn't. I didn't even. I was just like, oh, still count. Like, blogs count they're they're yeah. legitimate as far as i know <laughs> it works it works just okay. tweak it a little bit yeah it's the criteria do you prefer writing personally rather than writing academically yeah, yeah. i think it's really important that people tell their stories whatever way that that may be you know because I write, some people do an interpretive dance, you know, like it just, but I think what does academia really give you other than stats, which is great, you know, if I'm writing about CP, I so palsy, mm. um, if I was writing academically, it gives me stats and figures and then people become numbers and and it's all quite removed yeah. from reality. Whereas if someone can sit down and go, okay, let me tell you about me, and now I want to find out about you, not only does that allow them to tell their story, but it also starts a conversation, which 
bridges the gap between the Ottoman situation. Yeah, but it pushes back against that kind of structure which is already yeah. there by defining it by a few characteristics yeah. and saying. I don't know if that made any sense. Did it? it made sense. sense. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Essentially making people less statistics and more personable yeah. so you appreciate them as a human being rather than everything exactly else. that yeah yeah, yeah. We, get, we get there in a roundabout way this isn't exactly <laughs> how i talk so it's, I'm, I'm following don't worry <laughs> we're following um i mean i, I find it interesting then because obviously your main drive is um stories and people's stories and lives and you study theology but you say you don't use theology in your day-to-day like to me that's all stories yeah yeah yeah. well in fact yeah you're 100% right and I haven't ever thought about it like that but I think I've always just been really intrigued by people and what makes them tick and kind of how they why they are where they are and how they kind of got to that point that really really fascinates me and if I can be a small part in someone's story and mm-hmm. getting them from A to B albeit via like every other letter of the alphabet then that's, yeah. that's good for me it almost sounds like you should have done like criminal studies where you just <laughs> get people to pieces <laughs> yeah so I can analyze everything yeah. including myself Maybe she just become like a psychologist. <laughs> just like I wanted to when I was like between the age of like six and sixteen, I was obsessed with um, Super Nanny. Super Nanny. Yeah, so you know, Why? like the the where the psychologist person goes into their families' homes and tells kids tells yeah. It's why the kids are annoying. Um, I was like, I want to do that. And then I got to doing AS level in psychology at school, realised that it was really, really scientific and I don't have a scientific brain, so I kind of gave up. That's such a, a weird show to reference. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was, that was what I spent my evenings watching as like a six year old, which is even weirder. I feel like that's that also really like for anyone listening who knows when that show was, it really dates when you were six year old because I don't think I've seen that show advertised in years as well. I don't know whether it is. It may not. Well, yeah, it, it was Super Nanny. I'm sure it was. There was another one as well. There was like um, with um, that Tanya Byron that does a podcast with uh, Claudia Wink from then. I don't know what it's called, but I've seen it outside. It was just that whole rash of kind of reality TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Psycho, like, analysis and everything where they were just like, no, we're going to explain why everyone's broken and we're going to send people into their homes and tell them why they're terrible <laughs> parents. <laughs> yeah. Make good TV, good times. I guess. Yeah. Times. Back before the television calmed down a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's still terrible now at times, but... <laughs> oh, it's, it's horrific. It's, um, yeah. I'm curious now what you watch on a day-to-day basis. Not Love Island. Not Love Island. Okay, no, that's good. I'm, 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 I'm good. Anything other than. I don't have television per se. Like, I don't have like a, a TV package, so I don't get regular TV. I get whatever I get on demand. And that's pretty that much. That works. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much 
iPad too. Easiest way to kind of avoid them trying to push anything on me <laughs> in terms of content. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely unavailable. A bit of Netflix, though. I mean, definitely a bit of Netflix. You got yeah. a bit of Netflix. Though at the moment, I'm finding Netflix is doing that thing where it goes round and round in circles. Yeah. And it started recommending to me things which I'm fairly certain I watched on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm lost. I feel like even they're running out of content at this point. You think maybe the pandemic had something to do with that? That everyone started watching too much Netflix and they ran out quicker than they thought they would? And also they kind of couldn't film, I guess. So yeah. they, they not only were people watching more because it's all they could do, but actually there wasn't content being created because the people that were supposed to be creating we're also sitting watching Netflix. <laughs> you do when the bakers just watch baking shows. <laughs> yeah. You run out of bread. <laughs> it goes round in circles. I think it, that's what, I mean. That's an interesting one from the point of view because you obviously did some interviews with people or chat to people about creation during lockdown. Uh, so my day job um, meant that we were doing a comms piece. Mm. Um, about like the work that I do, and um, yeah. So I I sort of pulled a few people together and was like, right, we're gonna we're gonna write a link in that article because that's the way of getting our name out into the world. Kind of, yeah, sadly. Yeah, I think I think creativity for people in general, but like obviously, from my perspective. For disabled people or people with disabilities, depending on which way you want to word it, um, is really really key because it just allow it's an extension of them being able to express themselves and again tell their own story, like regardless of what their societal limitations are. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Do you think, I mean, from your perspective of kind of experience, do you think creativity is something which is kind of offered or pushed towards people with disabilities? Good question. Um, I think, and I, th- I think this is broadly speaking how we still view disabilities. So you, you've got the disabled person that is has got learning difficulties and um, people don't think they're going to amount to much. So they they go to a day centre and they bake cupcakes. Right. And that's, that's their kind of... Or you've got a disabled person that is actually, yes, they're physically disabled, but they're really, really academic and, and, and they can, you know, they're, they're really bright. So actually they overcome their disability that way. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So in terms of creativity, I think there is a lot offered to the baking cupcake ilk um, as a way of expression. And don't get me wrong, like those drama groups and everything are are really, really valuable and needed. And I'm a massive advocate of them. But I also think... In the you either disabled and bright or disabled and not 
we've kind of lost the 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 value of representation and at some point there is something in the middle of those two extremes not that they're even extremes they're just kind of polar opposites yeah. or that's how society views them so i think yes creativity is offered but it also needs to just it just needs to be offered to everyone right yeah. and if you're disabled then you're disabled and if you're not you're not i think it's, that's, that's fine yeah I, I definitely agree i think you you kind of you end up offered it from a very narrow point of view like you yeah. say like you it's very much they look at society and they say well you oh you you can have creativity but you can only have certain kinds of creativity because yeah. you know the, the some of it's just not for you in a way like it's yeah. it's, it, it's quite a and i find that so like obviously sad but strange as well because creativity is such a broad like spectrum of what you could do within it it's it's the stereotype again isn't it of oh you're a creative therefore you must be an artist and you must mm. you must like paint and then and and like draw and, and be that kind of creative person yeah in the same way that you know disabled people are you either bake or case in a day, day center or you're good and you don't need need any assistance at all yeah it's it's like we live in a world of of stereotype which i guess is natural um because like if if you were walking into a room and you'd never met me Mm. my my immediate sort of response would be i'm the girl in the chair because actually you need to know who i am and that's that's the most obvious way of, of defining that yeah, but it labels are needed to a point, but they they're overused. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think this is this is definitely one of those things. Are there's one of those arguments you hear a lot online, which is people saying, "Well, stereotypes exist for a reason," and it's like, "Well, yeah, as human beings, we naturally label things so we can yeah. identify things and say, you know, this is a door, this is a chair, you know." And when it comes to human beings, like, no, that's the tall person, that's the short person. And, yeah. and we go from that balance. But once you get past that initial impression, it does definitely need to be expanded. It's out. about how we get past that initial yeah. expression, though, isn't it? And it's, that's where conversation comes in. That's where we as people need to be open enough to have the conversation. Asian so that we sort of not post stereotypes out ourselves um, and not wait for someone else to like worry about what they're saying whether what they're saying is is going to offend people or not like we we just need to have a conversation yeah but that apparently is harder than yeah I mean we're English we don't like talking to people like absolutely not Definitely not. The less we can say, the better. <laughs> yeah. And the less we can, you know, the harder heart we've got, the better, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> we keep to ourselves and we carry on, regardless of however the world's burning. <laughs> Anyone? Not that we want to bring it down a note to the podcast, obviously. I feel, I feel like it's, it's well on its way. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I guess from that point of view, I'm curious of, of whether you think things have kind of improved maybe in the last 10 years or... 
or whether it's kind of gotten better? Because obviously there's there's obviously been more discussion about everything, you know, especially when it comes to equity and quality and everything. Yeah, I mean, I think I always say this, I'm super grateful for the, for the time that I live in, mm-hmm. where I live in, and super grateful for the advocates that came before me, right? Because that's why I'm able to have this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, we have moved away from disabled people who shouldn't be seen or heard, but, you know. Um, I think every advocate in their quest for equality sort of acts upon equity because they have to want to make it better for themselves as well as everyone else. Yeah. And I think that's where equity really sort of serves a purpose and comes into its own. Um, I think we've reached a point now where disabled people have the rights, they have the opportunities, albeit, you know, we've got a long way to go, but we've reached a point where you can't just have the rights because because you're entitled to them. You actually have, like, say I have a right to climb a mountain, right? Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily what I should be doing because no. I'm yeah. not good at climbing. Like it's just not a thing. Yeah. So where then do we start the conversation and start going, okay, you could do all of these things because because you now have the right to do mm. them. But what is it that you actually want to do? Like stop just doing it because society now says you can which is a great thing don't get me wrong it's, it's so good that we, we have that opportunity now but what is it that you actually want to do how can equity play a part in that because ultimately that that's how we get to diversity it's not we if we're all doing the same thing it's not yeah. diverse no i i think it's interesting as well that you kind of use the climb a mountain as like the the metaphor because i was thinking prior of just in terms of the media and what gets represented to people on the day-to-day obviously um like paralympics came to mind if that's like a major thing of like this is the thing and the idea that people with disabilities would be more valuable to society as sports people only yeah i mean i think don't get me wrong like even if i wasn't in a chair, I wouldn't be a sportswoman. It's not even a disability-related analogy that I just just wouldn't. I think, you know, the Paralympics, it's it's all about, they're so inspirational, and don't get me wrong, they they really are. They've fought so hard to get to where they want to be. Mm -hmm. But as has every athlete, um and I think we need to get away from oh you're disabled therefore you're inspirational it's like cool what have I actually done other than sit in a chair at this point like just tell me what it is that I've done and not just go oh you know you're able to live your life well done like you're so inspirational for getting out of bed in the morning yeah Yes, and so is every person that's that's having to get up and just carry on. (laughs) Yeah, it's a challenge to get out of bed in the morning. Everyone deserves that as like a baseline. That that shouldn't be the achievement. That should just be 
that's life you know we get up <laughs> yeah we get up we do things what you do past that is is the point of, of kind of yeah yeah so I think you know it Paralympics great and mm. and the, you know they, they are so that what I'd like to see with the Paralympics actually is them to be integrated into yeah. the Olympics because why do we have two events why do we have the closing ceremony of the Olympics? Yeah. And then open the Paralympics like that makes no sense to me. It makes more sense to kind of pull it all together into yeah. one big because Olympiad. Because awesome then. And yeah. like, why? What? Yeah. That makes, yeah. Sports confuse me anyway. I'm not, like, like you, I am not a sports person, athleticism or anything like that. I kind of the Olympics come by and go every single time. Yeah. I'm like, oh, we won some medals congratulations like it doesn't affect me i wasn't out there doing things you know i had no hand in getting these people to these locations for them to perform um so it can kind of come and go (laughs) yeah exactly i'm 100 with you i mean don't get me wrong if if it's on uh, i'll watch it but it's not like a oh i must you know yeah i always get confused by when they're like especially when you meet people in everyday life who aren't athletes who are like, oh yeah, like well, I can go to the gym and I can do this. I'm like, but what use is that in your day to day life? Like, you know, you can run really fast and you can lift a lot of weight, but on your day to day life yeah. of be- sitting at a desk, do you really need to lift that amount of weight? <laughs> it seems like a lot of time wasted. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of effort when you could be in a cooking. Yeah, you could just go have some food. Like that'd be good. That'd be time well spent. <laughs> it's balance in life you know i don't know yeah 100% i can't tell people what to do with their lives <laughs> i mean i try i only have a podcast where i sit and tell people what to do with their lives right <laughs> absolutely I, th- I feel like we all kind of have that in us as well to just have an opinion on everything human condition sometimes is to offer advice opinion and yeah. sometimes you should just not bother. I mean, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I think I think that's I think maybe that's the barrier which comes with creativity. Of when you you kind of sit and think to yourself, of, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna write something, or I'm gonna encourage someone to do something." And at the end of it, you're like, "All right, but am I doing this for me, or am I doing it so they have yeah. a feeling of catharsis?" and can get along with life 100% I, I'm always yeah I, I feel that a lot it's like I with the with the line of work that I have fallen into am I, am I pursuing this for me well the answer kind of is innately yes because mm. it everything that I do has to start from my own experience of so in order to make everyone else's life a little bit easier in whatever way that is, I'm also trying to make my own life a bit easier. But then it's kind of like, easy. am I just being this self-centered person that just wants to like achieve everything and other people are coming along with me? Or am I actually making a difference? And it's a, it's a constant kind of conversation in my head. Yeah. to not swing too far that way 
Definitely. I mean, do I guess do people question kind of what you're doing at all? Well, not a lot of people know what I do well, because not a lot of people because I don't know what I do. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> that that's ultimately what it comes down to. Like that introduction. What is it that you actually do? I don't yep. know. I just wake up and wing it for a day and see what happens. Um. Yeah, I, th- I think it is really interesting because it's it's back to that. Oh, I don't want to ask because I don't want to offend. Mm-hmm. So, part of you know when I say I'm a disability advocate to like the yeah, average Joe, whoever they are, and they're like, oh, that's really good, good for you. End yeah. of conversation. Yeah. Um. Luckily, I've got a really, really good circle of friends that I can kind of go, am I being an idiot? Is, is this going to work? And I question all the time yeah. um, and kind of allow them to, to kind of get me out of my own head a little bit. I think. Yeah. Is that how you ended up on this show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was more of a, you should speak to Graham. Like you should be on his show. It's like, oh, okay, we'll 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 do that. That's, Who's that Graham? Is <laughs> the first question. It was. I think I was speaking to Liz Thomas, and, right. and she was like, "Oh, you should you should go on Graham's morning show." It's like, cool. I'll I'll give him a message, and then I'll just stalk everything that you've done, so that I have a vague idea of who you are. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> I mean, that's basically all I do, right? <laughs> my, my process for finding guests t- tends to be just like going through different social media platforms going, that looks interesting. I wonder what else they do. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Deep diving in unless someone comes to me and says, hey, we should have a, have a conversation. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think it's one of those things, that I, like you're saying, though, I think there's an overlap between you you saying, obviously, you know, you're a disability ag- advocate and then trying to explain what that is and why that is and and how that kind of fits into everything else and i was kind of curious with you mentioning obviously the whole idea of creativity a lot of time people question why someone would need to be taught to to express themselves because from a societal point of view if you're not creating profit then it's not worth anything yeah yeah and i think there's, there's a real overlap especially between kind of people who are disabled or people who have kind of long existing medical conditions or whatever of just sitting there and going, well, no, we still need to be creative. And there's a value in that, which is beyond profit. Yeah. I mean, I think we are still in a place where you can only be one thing, Mm. right? See, if you're disabled, you can only be disabled. You can't be disabled and gay you can't be disabled and also have mental health issues you can't be disabled and be creative like you have to be disability is the defining thing or or not and that's actually harder if you've got an invisible or disability because then you're having to explain and I don't know because because I have a very visible one yeah but friends that have invisible invisible disability say to me that actually walking into a room and people thinking you're normal like what is normal anyway but and then having to explain that 
you also have this thing that means that you have you need reasonable adjustment, additional needs, whatever. It's, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for the sacred and of like you can be multiple. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you can be more than one thing. Yeah. Do you, I mean, from a kind of a personal point of view, do you enjoy confusing rooms of people? Yes. <laughs> there's a there's a certain type of personality. I'm just like, yeah, I feel like Joe's one of these people who just enjoys yeah, confusing yeah. a room of people. Like, yeah. that's it's fun too. <laughs> I think I don't know. I, I I like I like to and not entertain really, but like confuse people enough so that they don't immediately go oh it's Joe and she's in the chair like if 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 I can talk my way into a conversation enough to leave people wondering what the hell it is that I've just said (laughs) that's that that sort of brings the eyes of it yeah I think I mean from chatting to people it seems like that seems to be the running kind of gag between creatives of just creatives who and people who are creatively minded tend to go right well you're used to this whole status quo i think it'd be funny slash enjoyable to just disrupt that status quo (laughs) because that seems cathartic to me (laughs) and at least if they don't get anything out of it you do because it's it's what it is right you you know where you are it's personal progress not yeah not 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 everything's for the room as it were um i mean in terms of kind of coming up then and, and what you've got going on you mentioned working with uh, uh chicago and whatnot what, what else you got going on yeah the so the uh, i'm gonna give them another plug they're just they're not plug away. um they so it's the noah project um founded by a woman called lauren who um pre having a her daughter had a very, very stereotypical um, view on what disability was. And then she had a daughter who had a disability. Right. And that naturally changed her, her whole viewpoint. And what they now do is um, create uh, lesson plans and, and programs that focus on disability and relationships okay. which is just like so needed because again um with disability you often find that a relationship is based on something that is isn't like a dependent like what what you need people to do and and not necessarily based on um just like an organic friendship. Yeah. Um, so we're working with them to create programs that allow people, like I said, to to find their own voice um, and be who they're going to be regardless of their disability. Um, we have potentially got a podcast, maybe Rabish, no, that's still kind of in the pipeline, potentially, called equity which is basically me just finding out a bit about people being really nosy finding out what makes people tick because that's what i do on a day-to-day basis so why not 
record that in some way. I mean, that's a bad um, setup for a podcast. I feel like that's the kind of thing you should do for a podcast. Right? And allow people, <laughs> like, and allow people to tell their own story and and kind of maybe allow them to tell it in a way that doesn't conform to societal norms. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that that's that's one thing, and then we may be going into product design as well. More on that later. There's everything going on. Just like a bit of everything. It keeps me entertained. It keeps me engaged. It keeps me um kind of realizing why it is that I do what I do. Yeah. Do you keep surprising yourself in terms yeah. of when All you're like, time. oh, I could be interested in this next? All the time. And I think it's really hard as an advocate of disability to also have a disability at times because mm. we all have shit days and, and, we, and we all are caught by the systems and just the general status quo as you say that kind of captures us in, in one light and sometimes it's really difficult to break through that and still be able to do, do my day job because you know yeah. Um. But yeah, like life's a surprise. I just who knows. Life should be full of surprise. I like yeah. the uh, I like the element of unknown and the element of I could be doing something entirely different in this time. But I mean, yeah, I feel I feel like right now that's an opinion a lot of people could relate to. Yeah, unknown. We we don't know what where we will be in a in a year's <laughs> time. Just <laughs> yeah. Let's just say, let's let's just stay in the moment. I can't believe I'm saying that because I do not stay in the moment at all. Like, I have a plan <laughs> for everything. Like, the world is going to end on a daily basis for me in my head. This will be the one where someone will watch this who knows you and just kind of message you and be like, did you just say, tell people to live in the moment? <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you exactly who that person will be as well, but we'll see, we'll see if it happens. Um, yeah, it, it just, yeah, I, I, I'm I, a bit of a overthinker. I think, I think a lot of, especially kind of the, like live in the moment is one of those weird little like slogans, which is incredibly easy to say. But I think if you've had a life which hasn't been can completely privileged in any way, you automatically start planning for everything. Yeah. So when you like live in the moment, it's just like it doesn't feel natural to live in the moment <laughs> anymore. No, and also I think for someone with a disability that requires quite a lot of um, human interaction. Yeah. Like I have to plan how I get up, how I go to bed, and everything in between. Yeah. So actually. There is, there is no such thing as impromptu. Like, it, it just can't happen. Um, but, prom- yeah, it, it's, that's an interesting one. Yeah, still trying to navigate that. It's impromptu, just within a very specific framework. <laughs> like, we're in the box, <laughs> but anything could happen. It's if it hits X criteria. Yes. We can, we can live with that. that that's, I feel there's, like a, there's a management technique um which is essentially structured around that idea um so there's a framework called agile 
where essentially you define a framework and then within that framework anything could happen but you have yeah. to as long as you keep updates throughout the framework you're fine because you get to the end of it and then you repeat it yeah and that is life that's yeah. that's what i do not a bad way to live <laughs> no not at all well it's been lovely to speak to you Jen. you too thank you so much for letting me come on you're welcome and An i kind of invited myself so that's the best kind of guest someone who's just like hits you up in the dms and says hey i'm coming on your podcast <laughs> yeah yeah. You don't have much choice in this, Graham. I've been you've been recommended. Um <laughs> and I will be coming. <laughs> that's that's the way I work. Um you should absolutely come on whatever it is that I end up doing equity wise. So yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to see what's Every going on. Too. On the other side of you know, the podcast world. It's what it's quite a strange thing, really. I obviously I've done 160 something episodes and I've n- never been on anyone else's podcast well you you can come like i'm locked in i've got my own framework going on (laughs) as it as it were my own challenges (laughs) but it's been lovely um obviously people can check out the work which you do we will give them links they can to the stuff you will send us some links at the end of the show and we'll send them all to see you and obviously best of luck with the rest of the year and setting things up Thank you. Yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. I'm excited by what's going on. Good. That's the best way to be. You don't want to be fearing these things. <laughs> oh no, I, do, I totally do that as well. <laughs> I just right. choose to kind of focus on the fact that it's it's, it's going to go somewhere. It's it's going to go somewhere. Slightly terrified, always. It's going to go somewhere. It's going to happen. You can't control that. It's going to be good. In some kind of way, some kind of direction. Yeah. You know, if we had too much control, the world would just fall to pieces. Yeah. It really would. would. On that note, we will talk to everybody later. Thank you for coming, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Welcome.